Uh, howdy guys, welcome back to the Red House Podcast. This is episode 21, we're legal to drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't believe we're at 21. It seems like it jumped quick. Yeah, it's a it, kind of a slow summer, but it's really starting to pick up now. Uh, this is your co-host, uh, Rob White, Fighting Texas A Class of uh, 2014. And this is Roy May, Fighting Texas A Class of 2015. And uh, uh, before we really get into the podcast, I want to say a quick uh, shout out to the Aggie soccer team. Congratulations. They just secured uh, co-SEC regular season champs. Yep. So we got ourselves okay. a nice little trophy for the for the, for the the case. Is that th- at 3 p.m.? Yeah. Game, I, 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 <laughs> I get it, but it sucks. I really wanted to go. Um, yeah, we gotta work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was working. Yeah, I'd been saying we just caught the end of it. Um, watched it on my phone right before we got started. Yeah, but, I just Coach G just piling up trophies. It's it just that program is phenomenal. You just got to be one of the greatest, longest running programs that we have here at the school. Easy. No, oh, it's the greatest, longest running program. I mean, when you think about volleyball, stumbled. Had issues, had to had to go out and uh, and hire hire Bird. And um, she's done a great. I mean, job. track's really good, but he hasn't been here that long. I mean, you're talking about Coach G's. Shoot, RC Slocum hired Coach G. He's been here what twenty four? This twenty fourth year, twenty third or twenty fourth year. He's been he's been here for a very long time. He's been he's been and been successful for a very. very long time. Yeah, so yeah, got got the picture. The girls got the trophy. They're happy campers. We are proud of them. It's been an interesting week. Uh. Yeah, and it's Monday. Yeah, it's been a very interesting week. It's still Monday. Um, you know, in addition to things that are going on uh, nationally outside of sports, there's uh, with there's plenty of that. But uh, definitely, let's save the podcast for that. Then, you yeah, you want to hear about yeah. that stuff? Go go elsewhere. You know, I'm sure I'm sure Joe Rogan's touching on it somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, no, we've got a bunch of a uh, bunch of good stuff on tap for you today. Um, Got to highlight a handful of games here. Um, you know, as we did, we're going to kind of run it similar to how we did last week. Just kind of touch on the tw- top 25 from this past week because uh, overall it's really not it's overly I, relevant. I, th- I think we might just touch on our game, to be honest, considering it seems to be in a bit of a state of flux right now. Right, exactly. So we can definitely uh, jump on some things. Um, but uh, kind of, I mean, yeah, we don't like Big Ten land, but Michigan effectively out, done. At this point, after two weeks, Indiana took them down. I, I think that's not just Michigan down. I think that might be the beginning of the end for Harbaugh. Right. Um, and and it, it doesn't matter that Indiana it might be an actual team this year. It, like, that doesn't matter. What matters is that it's Indiana and you're Michigan and you don't lose to them. No. I mean, it's, it was 24 straight going into that game, and they lost. And, and I don't care if, if, Indiana's, if Indiana is doing all right. You have more talent, so therefore you should beat them as long as you have better coaching. And if you're telling me mm-hmm. that the coaching was the problem, then he's absolutely got to go because Indiana sh- football should never, ever have a better coach than the University of Michigan. At one point, you're down 31-14 in the third quarter, and that just tells me all I need to know about Michigan football right now. Well, I watched a good bit of that game, and it was never close. No. It was never really a game. Michigan, um, they're just not good. I, what was weird, it seemed like their defense, which had only really only been the – or the only shining part of Michigan football this year had been their defense. They went into a shell too. Indiana did not have a problem moving the ball, and the Michigan offense and the offensive play calling, just everything on that side of the ball is f- just flat doo doo. Yeah. Um, one interesting game I did want to touch on in the Big Ten, and it was not a ranked game, but um, can we just talk about Penn State being ranked preseason top ten? And now they have started 0-3, and they just got not – they didn't lose to Maryland. 
They got spanked by Maryland. They lost 35-19. Yeah, and, you know, that's another one of those. I, you know, I put Maryland and, and Indiana in, in the same boat. They're good at basketball, you know, but in the right. fall is really not their time. And, and they went out and they beat two of the, the, the big-name Big Ten games, really big-name national teams in Penn State and Michigan. So the problem is, is once you get to the, the third game of the year, it's no longer this is a weird year or this is COVID. Like, you just suck. Yeah, you're just not good at your job. You're not good at football. Whatever you did or failed to do in preparation for kind of a weird season, you did horribly. Oh, no doubt. Now, there will be a lot of coaches that get passes for that because, again, that's like running a restaurant in a pandemic. Right. I've never done it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I'm learning on the fly. But there are certain things that shouldn't be happening and – Penn State losing to Maryland and Michigan losing to Indiana and not just squeakers losing. Right. Uh, those aren't things that happen in the world of college football, COVID or not, and you think that your job is safe. Yeah. A um, little bit closer to home here. You had a tight game with Texas and West Virginia. Uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of that. Um, I mean, neither, neither of those teams are any good. No. It means it was just kind of who's going to accidentally win at the end of this. And, and I'm, I'm not sure it really has any massive effect on, on Tom Herman's future. No. Uh, win or lose. I, but, I mean, West Virginia's not good at football, so it's not like you really accomplished anything. But you're not hearing any of them kind of bump their gums either. I mean, they're not puffing their chest out about beating West Virginia at home. Yeah. And, 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 and I get it. We, we say that one call doesn't make the game, but that, that – Pass interference on, on the last play was just highway robbery. That was rough. <laughs> that was brutal. That was brutal. But, uh, but again, you know, West Virginia, given how poor Texas played, they had plenty of opportunities to, to, to not be in that situation. Right, exactly. And I feel like that's something that I will always state anytime you have these games. Um, and it's an important thing to always remember. If you can point out like five or six egregious calls, then that's one thing. Then but, it is absolutely the officials of fault. Right. Yeah, you know, but – but when you're talking about last play of the game, you get hosed on a PI call. I, I mean, you shouldn't have been in the position where you were going to get hosed. Like a bad call on it or a no call on a pass interference cost you the game. You can't be in that position. No. So Texas uh, keeps Herman alive for now. Uh, moving on, uh, one really interesting game, and we we touched on it a little bit. But I think Liberty pulling it out against Virginia Tech. Yeah, all I saw was the the kind of the last sequence of that with Virginia Tech icing the blocked kick return for a touchdown. Stupidest um, thing. <laughs> I can't well, believe that I mean, happened. I, I, people, there are people that are 100% in favor of icing the kicker. There are people that think it's dumb. And I'm I'm the guy that says, I, I just, I, either way, I, I just think it's a dumb thing to argue about. I mean, something like that happens once in a million years where you ice the kicker, but your team accidentally blocks it and runs it back. I mean, that's that's a series of events that has to occur. Right. You know, so, I, I don't know, Virginia Tech is not very good. No. I, and Liberty, of all places, has a has a relevant football team. Well, Hugh Freeze, man, like so that's what he does. He, he yeah, take, he takes bad programs and makes them good. Yeah, you know, I mean, you look at Ole Miss, the Ole Miss days. I mean, those were good teams as much as they were not a good program. Well, yeah, Hugh Freeze is. I mean, and Lane Kiffin and, and Hugh Freeze are a lot alike. You know, they're going to get you a lot of football wins, but the question is how they're going about it. Yeah, sure. And, 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 look, if you've been caught and you got in trouble, then it's completely fair to get criticized for that. Right. 
And that's fair. Um, other than that, you had Oklahoma State squeak it out against Kansas State. Didn't see any of that game. I didn't see any other Big um, 12 games. No, I saw Iowa State uh, did maintain that. Yeah. They ended up beating Baylor. Man, watch but it, it was But it was a gross game from what I saw. Um, I required a big comeback from Iowa State from what I'm seeing. But um, regardless on those, um, the only other major game, and it was a major game, with uh, title implications. There were two major games. Well, yeah, but I, w- I want to touch on the non-SEC one first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got uh, Notre Dame taking down Clemson. Granted, Trevor Lawrence less Clemson, but still Clemson. Well, Clemson was missing a lot of starters. Actually. Yes. People think it was just Trevor Lawrence. Right. Clemson was down a lot of injuries, but uh, but that's kind of part of football. It is. Um, you know, it's, I still don't know what to think about it, though, to be honest, is when you take Trevor Lawrence, who's a, you know, he's a game-changing kind of – Kind of quarterback in a quarterback-driven sport, right? And then you know you add in missing some. Uh, I believe they're missing a couple of the front seven uh, on defense. So it's, um, I mean, that's not an excuse. Um, and you know, I guess you know, Notre Dame did what they had to do against a, a freshman. You know, what second-time starter? He yeah. started at BC. Yep. Um, so assuming you're assuming Notre Dame didn't stub their toe between now and the championship game, they'll be in the championship game. Lawrence is back, and the way we don't have to worry about Notre Dame is if Trevor Lawrence is back and they beat Notre Dame by thirty, which is not, which is completely plausible because I, Trevor yeah. Lawrence is phenomenal. I I think he does play enough into that game that I think uh, it would make a lot of sense. That kid that they have, what is he? Uyan Galilei or something like that. I was trying to get it right. Uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah. That looks about but, right. Yeah. But uh, he's going to be really good. He is. But he's a freshman. I mean, uh, yeah, he went 29 for 44. I mean, he threw for 439 yards. Yeah. But there's an it factor that Trevor Lawrence has that no freshman on the planet really has. No. So, you know, very tight ball game. Um, people are complaining about it here in the you know in our neck of the woods because of what it potentially means for a playoff spot we'll worry about that well later. here's how I see it though Notre Dame still has to play North Carolina and Mac, I don't know what Mac Brown's got going on around so it's really confusing but at the same time Mac Brown can certainly get a team up for a big game oh no doubt uh, Boston College didn't look like slouches against um, against Clemson no so BC looks like it could be a challenge so like I said assuming they don't stub their toe and lose one, yeah, because uh, if they do, then all all Clemson has to do is win. Right. Um, but if they make it, that you know they make it the ACC championship game. Um, the only thing, well, no, realistically, I mean, if they go undefeated, I don't know that Clemson gets a spot because if they beat Clemson yeah. with Trevor Lawrence, so really either Notre Dame wins that game again with Trevor Lawrence, you know, under center for Clemson. Or Trevor Lawrence shows up and throttles Clemson or throttles Notre Dame by like thirty, then I think you you have you know those are two options that I think you have a path for us to make it. Right. So we'll definitely uh, keep an eye on that. I'll um, be I'll be rooting for the fight in Mac Browns whenever they play North Carolina. Same here. We won't have to worry about it. I'm all cool with him winning right now because it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, at that point, it's not going to you're not going to get a two loss team in right. from the ACC. So. Yeah, I think that'll work. You look at the SEC slate; it was really light this week. You had a lot of a lot of people that were either so out. another week with bye weeks and stuff. Yeah, really, the only game that the only only two games that are, we're talking about one and ours just because it's an A and M podcast. Sure, and then the Florida Georgia game. Yeah, but you did have uh, Mississippi State, which they did uh, not cover, which we both said was going to happen. Yeah, well, yeah, but but relative relative to anything that matters, it wasn't. Those that were the only two games, and really. 
us against South Carolina really didn't matter either, given the outcome. It's something you gloss over, hit the highlights. But the Florida-Georgia game was um, – that was a fun game. I tried to watch a, a, a decent amount of it. Um, I, I was laughing when I saw Florida go down, and then they had like a sideline shot, and the mm-hmm. skies had like opened up, like yeah. torrential, you know, Florida – you know, the shower. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first thing I thought was, well, man, if they're down and it's going to turn into a sloppy game, because we've seen, you know, the cocktail party turn into just a mud bowl. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, if it turns into that and you kind of take a lot of the ability away from Trest to throw, mm-hmm. then you were wondering if Florida was going to be able to get back into it. But the weather, just like, you know, just like a Florida little afternoon storm, just kind of in and out. Right. Um, and Florida, Florida fixed things. You know, they made adjustments. Yeah. And and this and what came to came down what it came down to to, to bite Georgia in the butt, like we already said, it was gonna be their quarterback. Yeah. Their quarterback play is not good. It's not sustainable to be a championship team. No. And they had a really strong second quarter to really kind of take the reins away from Georgia. Um, and that really kind of set the tone for the rest of the yeah. game. Well, Georgia just kind of came out and kicked Florida right in the face and I don't think Florida was expecting that. No. And then literally all you saw was the adjustments and and from then on they I mean the game that was kind of it. At Florida, I, I thought, you know, I know they got down 14-0, but once you saw Florida really kind of start clicking on, you know, kind of firing all, all cylinders kind of thing, I think they really walked away with the game. Well, especially, I mean, you, yeah, you consider, like, the next several drives. I mean, there was only one scoring drive for uh, Georgia. Every single other one was for Florida. So they took advantage. Um, Florida just kind of further bolstering our position a little bit with that win, too, which is nice. Um, just kind of reinforcing what we already knew which was Florida's a pretty solid football team, and it's a good win for us. Yeah, and, you know, and people look at that, and a lot of people are looking at what the national pundits are, or, you know, a lot of them are trying to put Florida above us, and which is crazy because not only do you have the head-to-head win, but you also have a common opponent in, in South Carolina. Right. So, uh, but what it's really going to end up being, though, is if Florida will get knocked out of, out of, the, out of the conversation. Right. Because they'll go to the SEC championship game, you know, barring any sort of complete Florida meltdown, which is entirely um, possible too. But. They'll they'll go to the championship game and Alabama will drum them by twenty some odd points, and then that'll be the end of their playoff talk. And it doesn't right. matter where they're ranked, because at that point they get absolutely torched. Uh, at a point when everybody will probably assume they're playing the be- their best their best football of the year, right. and they'll go in into Atlanta and Alabama will, will put their foot on the gas because Nick Saban understands. You know, you leave no doubt in championship games. Right. Um, and they'll torch them, and then Florida will have two losses. And be done. One to Alabama that we had, and one to us. And that at that point, you can take the common opponent crap and throw it out of South Carolina. You it know, doesn't the com- matter. The common yeah. opponent that we both beat. And then it's just, okay, well, Alabama beat us both, but we beat you. So that's kind of it. That's just that's how the standings work. So at that point, we won't, we'll, not only will we be second in the West, but we'll be second in the SEC. Right. Uh, of course, and, you know this is dependent on us winning out games, which is also depending uh, dependent on us getting to play all of our games. Right. So we'll then we'll definitely touch on that. Uh, but you had a you know, one other game before we get into ours. You did have Arkansas, who started off slow against Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee had a much stronger first half, but uh, uh, Arkansas closed just the a game bad better. Football team, dude. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah. It's man. If Tennessee never had to play actual football games, it'd be a really great program. Yeah, but, <laughs> a lot of prestige, quote unquote. There. Yeah, well, the prestige. You know, Butch Jones can run a program. I've heard this said a couple different places. I mean, he he may be the worst game day coach in the SEC. 
It mean, seems like it. Cause it just, I mean, think about the talent yeah. that they've amassed. I mean, it's, it's not like they're recruiting, you know, top 40, you know, uh, your recruiting classes. They're putting together talent. And everything, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks, everything looks like it's, you know, they're heading in the right direction. Everything's do, going, going right. They're doing well. But then they actually have to show up on Saturday and play a football game, and everything goes down the shitter. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear uh, to me, at least this year. I mean, granted, I know it's Tennessee, but pretty clear Sam Pittman's got to be coach of the year so far. Well, as long as Arkansas can, you know, keep him forward, they got a lot, of, a lot of games left to play. They do. But, as, like, even even if there was there was no issue with any positive tests on our team, um, I don't know how much I'd talk about this Tennessee game. We beat Arkansas handily, and Arkansas just handled Tennessee. Tennessee's bad. Yeah. Like, if we get to play the game, they're going to be starting a freshman quarterback. Yeah, it's going to be like, a rough game for them. It's going to be hard. I, I would think that the most difficult part of this game is that our players aren't looking past Tennessee. Right. And so, I mean, that'll definitely be uh, some. But to what? Like, what are you looking past it, though? To Ole Miss? Yeah. So, uh, there's really not a lot to look past. I think these guys are completely locked in because there's not a a massive game left on the schedule. You know, everybody thinks that Auburn has the best chance FBI wise, but I think the FBI could be pretty stupid. Oh, for sure. I think the biggest threat left uh, on our schedule is Ole Miss, and that's only because they'll come out and throw the ball, you know, 65, 70 times. Yeah. And. and uh, I was listening to Louis Bellina, and we were actually kind of texting back and forth about it. You know, it's – and Ole Miss will go out there and throw the ball 65 times. They might get sacked six times, but they don't care. Yeah, because – Because that means they're still putting the ball in the air, you know, almost 60 times. Right. And so, it's – you know, the Ole Miss is the one that because of matchups, you don't like to see. Um, I don't think Auburn uh, – look, I, I don't think Auburn – I don't think they're a threat. I don't. They got a really, really good running back, and we've got a really phenomenal running defense. So the the last threat on your schedule is Ole Miss, but there's not a football team in the world that's going to look past Tennessee to Ole Miss. No, so these guys are locked in. Yeah, and I think kind of as we go forward into our game, um, I mean, safe to say we always talk about the idea of things that we need to improve, and I think you know we, we talk you know the last way we've done you know like the, the sustains yeah, and the three improves. sustains three improves. I don't. There's really not a whole lot of improves I can really throw at this game. And, you know, absolute domination. I think the only gripe I had was maybe seeing us capitalize on those first couple of drives. But other than that, it was a pretty flawless game plan. Yeah, like, it wasn't a perfectly clean start. I mean, look, if you don't score on every offensive drive, then you can improve. Right. That's that's just fact of the matter. Um, If they score any points, then you can improve. That's Um, right. So, and, you know, they missed a field goal, too. So, I mean, they could have could have doubled their point output. Uh, right. But when you look at the numbers that they put up video game, like their video game numbers for our defense, you know, you allow incredible. 150 yards total, 50 yards rushing. I mean, that, that's literally what you do on a video game. It's It and, was incredible. And then on offense, I, I, I thought it, everything about the offensive performance was fun to watch because, you know, you saw Spiller, you saw Nice, you saw Kellen, you saw Weidemeyer, but then you saw Achain, you saw Demas out there. You know, we talked about having a convincing enough win to where Kellen Mong gets to spend, you know, a good part of the fourth quarter with a baseball hat on. Yeah. You know, we got to see that. Um, you know, so we got to see a lot of things that we were really hoping to see. Um, and and honestly, it's 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 hard to sit here and – if we really sat and broke down tape, I, I know that we could find some improves, but they'd be really specific. Um, the penalty. I mean, we had we didn't have a lot of penalties. So I mean, again, we, we didn't, didn't, didn't give them any sacks. Yeah, and that's coming off a performance where we had a hundred yards in penalties. So, yeah. you know, you didn't give him any sacks. Uh, I mean, he was what like 62 percent completion rate. So, I mean, I guess sure you'd love a higher percentage rate, but he's about a sixty-two to sixty-four percent quarterback. 
Yeah, I think if you look at this game statistically, it was just an absolute drubbing across the board. I mean, yeah, you had two penalties for 25 yards, but we gave up no turnovers. We owned time of possession. Like, uh, was it 38 minutes to 21? Yeah, time of possession was huge. Win the turnover battle. I mean, these are like, these are the big things you always say, right, going to game. Well, we need to win the time of possession. We need to win the turnover battle. But, I mean, they're through. Yeah, and, I mean, total yardage, we had 532. They're 150. I mean, how often do you see numbers like that? 150 uh, yards total offense over the course of the game. I mean, it was just an absolute drubbing. And don't get me wrong, South Carolina's bad. Right. No, they are. Uh, I, that I, I went back and watched uh, highlights from the game, and I heard something on the broadcast right after Kellen Mond had scored his uh, rushing touchdown when he when he faked out on the pitch and ran it in. Uh, you heard the crowd was starting to chant, fire, must chant, clack, which I mean – I, I don't blame them after a game like this. You They're know, not going to put up with it. Uh, you had 26 first downs to nine. Our third down efficiency was as good as it's been, 12 of 16. I mean, right. I mean incredible. You, you bear off all the stats. I mean, you don't even have to look at the stats. Look at the score. Yeah, the score that, tells the story. That it wasn't close. and it. I mean, you would have loved to shut out, you know. That's... Of course. And, you know, like I said, minor gripes. I think overall, you know, I feel like we said this against um, – Arkansas, but I think it's you know we can re you know we can recount on recount on that. This was the most complete performance we've had under Jimbo Fisher. I would argue you have had every aspect of the game. All three phases were damn perfect. You know, with the exception of one missed extra point. Way to go, Seth. Sorry. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, and you know what? Those are they're just going to come here and there, and that that is what it is. But what's funny is. You know, in years past, we see a kicker miss, miss an extra point. Our first thought is, crap, when's that going to come back to bite us? Yeah. But it happened, and I remember just thinking, oh, well. Oh, well. I, it, just, it didn't even register because I, I know that seeing this offense, and especially, you know, when it's humming like it like it is, uh, you're not worried about missing an extra point. You know, th- those are the mistakes that you don't ever like to see happen. But I mean, if you're going to do it, do it against South Carolina. Right. You know? Well, and I think, I mean, I, one thing I will certainly say that I was really, really happy with in this game was A-Chain. I mean, came out and just, I mean, solidified what we saw from him in his limited showing last week and just further bolstered what we already knew, which is our running back stable is stupidly talented. And, I mean, when we started getting in the third quarter with that two running back I mean, we back saw crown over. I mean, we got... Oh, my God. I mean, we oh. just... We got everybody. Demas was out there. Max Wright kind of touched it. But the final drive was just incredible. I mean, you had Haynes King come out here and just throw a nice little pass to Max Wright. He scores a touchdown. You know, Cronover looked fantastic. Just every. It reminded me of the bowl game against yeah. NC State. Yeah, it was just an absolutely incredible. Yeah, performance. like sending in the backups. And the backups yeah. did just as good. I they mean, did, and you could tell that we were just trying to burn the clock with Haynes King, but. Jimbo also wasn't, allow, wasn't about to allow South Carolina to get the ball back with any hope of maybe driving down. No. So that third down, you know, run take, Max right out in the flat, throw a little a floater. Yeah, and it worked. And, you know, I mean, just overall. Maroon, if you can't stop the backups, that's really not our problem. I was about to say, at that point, it's not running it up. You're just bad. You know, I, I look at, uh, obviously, O-line, Maroon Goons, again, just absolutely outstanding performance. Well, it's the second week in a row you've got one of our five this is SEC Offensive Alignment of the Week. Right, and... A-Chain uh, was a freshman of the week. Yeah, and overall, defensively, we are now statistically the number one defense in the SEC. Yeah, I tell you, uh, it, it was upsetting to hear for the press conference today. Clemens got dinged up and had ankle surgery. Yeah, it's so, very unfortunate. Um, but was again... three I, to five weeks out is what they were saying? Uh, well, last I saw was no timetable, but, I mean, right. again, 
one, these guys are physical freaks, so depending on what he had done, it may not be much of anything. Maybe four weeks for him. Maybe. Um, yeah. And two, uh, he, it was him specifically. He is such a freak. Um, but again, I mean, did you even you know? Did you miss a beat? Did you see him like missing a beat? Did you when you know when we rotate on the on the front forward? You know, we've got depth now, and that's something that. GMOs had to build, and we've all said that it's something that, you know, if you want to be a championship team, you can't just have really good starters. you got to have really good backups. And it, in order to have really good backups, you got to have a really good program and culture because those kids are willing to come in and wait their turn. And that's – we complained about it for years watching Alabama. You know, their entire second string and special teams are all five stars. You know, but these kids have bought into it, and they realize that, you know, they'll – you know, they'll do what they can to help the team now, knowing that they'll get their shot later. And right. a great example of that was Max Wright. I mean, the kid comes in as a D lineman, um, you know, has an injury. <laughs> right. You know, it's, uh, hey, I'll switch to tight end. It's, it really seemed like I'll do whatever I can to help the team. And stuff like that's rewarded. You know, you, you have a game where you know, we get up and we can run some of the twos out there and it scores a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just incredible performance. I, I like I said, I just have nothing to complain about. Yeah, we we got to talk to Max about his mustache, but that's yeah, then that is fine. I, I think there's just so much we can take away um, from that performance. And once again, yes, we understand South Carolina is bad, but but that's what you're supposed to do to bad teams. But it's like this is a game where within the last several seasons, we probably go into this house and we might win by ten. We might win by less than a touchdown, you know, and we may have come out and looked a little flat, but you know that's just not the case with this season. It's Texas A&M taking care of business. Battered Aggie syndrome needs to go out the door right now. It's not something that anybody needs to worry about. Well, it's for now. It's pretty easy <laughs> for it to creep back in always um, when you have the COVID stuff. Right, which, you know, that's certainly something we can talk about with the uh, press conference today, of course. So we heard last I heard it was two uh, members, one player and one student. Uh, yeah, one of the student trainers, yeah, student workers. Trainers. Yeah, so two from the from the trip, um, three total if you count Damani now. Right. You know, who didn't travel. So you so you have a handful of COVID cases at this point that have come out. And your hope is that they either get the uh, multiple negative results like Saban did. Right. Um, or the contact tracing doesn't go insane. Right. And so fingers crossed on that just for this for the rest of this uh, slate, of course. I mean, I don't think it would benefit us to take our foot off the gas going into Tennessee or whatever the next game would be on the schedule that we would play. So um, we really don't need to see any kinks in that. We've already seen one game get postponed, Auburn and Ole Miss, uh, thanks to COVID issues on one of the squads. I think it was Auburn, but I might be wrong. Well, there's already two games we're talking about uh, having to reschedule, but then you look at – you know, you sit back and you look at the uh, how, how the SEC has consistently done the right thing. Um, you know, with all of their protocols, with uh, you know, with all their testing, and and you look and realize that uh, you know they have that extra week built in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were also playing for the you know we may have to have teams playing on championship weekend, and that's fine. Right. So there's been a lot of buffer built in. Um, the problem you're going to see is with championship game buffers because um, unless the college football playoff is willing to move, which, again, I, I, it, this, everything has to be able to shift in all this. Right. Um, you know, we all knew coming into this that, that if we weren't able to, to kind of roll with the punches, then you know, if we tried something very rigid, as soon as you throw a wrench in it, it's over. Right. So hopefully there's already discussion with college football playoffs 
you know, having a contingency to, to push everything. Because the problem is if the college football playoff games don't get pushed, but you push your championship game, you have six days to get ready for a playoff. Which is just not enough time against top-level competition. If every single conference did that, it would be one thing. But since it would be a one-off, you know, not that life is fair, but the NCAA tries to make some of that at least moderately fair. Sure. So, I mean, safe to say, as we've gone through with all these games, um, coming up into the coming up into this next week, um, I mean, do you think we're going to play? I don't know. Uh, I I, I want to hear more tomorrow because I think, you know, when you pause practice activities, I don't think it's quite as serious when it's a Monday. Um, there's a lot of people jumping to a lot of conclusions. Uh, I'd like to see the results come back. I'd like to hear the report. Mm-hmm. As wild and ridiculous as the contact tracing stuff is, it would not surprise me for us to to reschedule this to um, championship weekend or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's weird though because with some of the other games getting canceled, uh, you know, some of some of those teams have already had to cancel a game and already looking at that weekend to play a different game. Right. So it's going to be interesting how that sh- shakes out. Um, I, there might be teams like LSU. I, they just I take the L. I mean, I don't know how, what you do, but it's right. Um, I mean, you're going to have a crappy year as it is, and I don't think anybody in you know in, in Baton Rouge wants to go to a bowl game when they're sitting at you know three or four wins, anyways. Right. Um, but you know, on the flip side of that, uh, you know, if I'm Arkansas and anything happens, I want to play every single one of my games to make sure you know I'd like to hit that five win mark and um, and go to a bowl game because. Yeah. Because with that, I mean, you're talking about winning five conference games when everybody thought they weren't going to win any. Well, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, so I mean, just to comment on LSU real quick. I mean, looking at their upcoming schedule, how often do you see a team go from championship caliber one season to missing a bowl? Well, you don't. But LSU's trash, and Ed Orgeron's trash, and yeah. And what they're seeing is by losing Brady and and losing Burrow and losing like eighty percent of their roster basically to the NFL. That's what mm-hmm. happens. And so what's occurred is. You know, I get that LSU always likes to be in a, well, we don't, you know, rebuild, we reload. Well, then clearly something in either uh, the coaches that left yeah, or the personnel uh, that you maybe didn't recruit as well, <laughs> you know, it, maybe your recruiting was skewed or um, you didn't address actual recruiting needs and you just went for recruiting rankings. Um, you know, there's something in there and there's something very telling about it and you're seeing it play out on the field. Yeah, safe to say uh, LSU's got plenty of problems I need to figure out. Uh, I'm telling you, it starts with the coach and a lot of LSU people. There, they really don't want to admit it. No, nah, he's uh, way too prone to wanting to be at pool parties with girls that are like way younger than he is. So. Yeah, that was, yeah, smooth <laughs> move, Ed. Woo! I mean, hey, you know what? You're you're on your way out with your wife. I I don't blame you, man. Have fun. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, my God, what a guy. All right, so got to look at it next week's slate from the SEC. We got some good matchups, but uh, potentially some that will get postponed when it already has been. But I'll go ahead and jump in on a couple here. Uh, Start the day early. You got uh, Georgia at Missouri. Georgia's 11.5-point favorite early. You know, I don't know about that. Missouri, I thought Missouri was starting to play a little bit better football. And, again, Georgia and quarterbacks don't seem to go together. No, unfortunately. We, yeah. we talked about going to Florida game. Yeah, Bennett, I mean, his numbers are okay, except he's got six picks to his eight touchdowns. And that's Yeah, that's not the ratio you're looking for. No, it's kind of terrible. Four to three is really bad. Real bad. So, yeah, they got plenty of work. But, like, 11 and a half to Georgia, do you think Missouri covers? 
You know, I think they might because I think Georgia's going to be down in the mouth about it. We saw what Georgia did when they went and played Texas in a bowl game when they were all poopy pants. Yeah, and they got smoked. And it Georgia's yeah. poopy pants. They'll probably find a way to win just because Georgia talent just far, far, far supersedes right. Missouri's. But um, I, it would not shock me for Missouri to cover at all. No, me either. I mean, you got Vandy at, at Kentucky, you know. Yeah, you know what? Go Vandy. Just win a game. Win a game. I know it's a 17-point spread, but you know, go Vandy. Make it happen, Captain. Auburn, Mississippi State's already been postponed, so whatever about that. Uh, then you have uh, <laughs> kind of a revenge game, but at the same time, LSU's got COVID issues, so they may not play it. But Alabama going to LSU, and Alabama's a 28 point favorite on CBS. That will be, yeah, that's a that's a primetime bloodbath. It's a 5 p.m. game, and I think Alabama's going to not just beat LSU. I think they're going to beat the brakes off. I don't think they're going to be able to stop themselves from doing it. No, I'm not, not like no joke. Like I, I don't think there are play calls that I, 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 Alabama could call the most conservative game that they've called in years, and they would probably still win by 14. I'm about to say, I think yeah, I think regardless of how this game goes, I don't think LSU has anything close to the talent or the motivation. Yeah, really I was going to say, it, and nothing to play for. Right, they have no motivation. It's kind of sad, really. They, apparently, they don't have motivation to keep from getting COVID. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, so here's a here's a interesting game regarding a couple of previous opponents. Arkansas at Florida. Florida's 17.5-point favorite. I like Arkansas to cover. I don't think they win, but I like them to cover. I don't because I think Dan Mullen listens to the press a lot, and so I think he's going to be out for blood to try and smoke everybody he can by as many points as he can. Sure. Dan Mullen doesn't let off the gas. He's not that kind of guy anyways. So I think Dan will go out and beat Arkansas by about 30 points. Because yeah. he's sick of hearing any any crap about A and M, even though we beat him heads up. Right. You know he's going to do everything he can to position his team properly. So I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Dan Mullen honestly try and run the score up. I would. Yeah, I think that's entirely possible. I think Arkansas's got enough. I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to have enough in the tank. I'll tell you what. The trouble. If Pitts doesn't play, and it's 50-50 that he does, which by the way that hit in he's, the Georgia game was disgusting. It was. Um, so I'd be surprised if he plays. If he plays, I think Florida has no problem covering. If he doesn't play, that's a massive weapon to take away. Um, yeah. You saw Arkansas. I mean, everybody struggles with Weidermeyer. Um, so, but imagine taking that out of the rotation. Mm-hmm. You know, Florida, they're back out tight end, and we saw. You know, we saw him in spots. He's not bad, but he's just not Pitts. Right. You know, Pitts is kind of one of those. Every five to ten years, you find a tight end like that hit your roster. Right. So, um, yeah, we're, we've just been fortunate. We've kind of racked him up in a row a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think but, it, but she right. wanted we had to give had to find the transfer portal to do right. it Sternberger. So, yeah, exactly. So but but you know, when you put importance on that position, you can tell that Florida does, but their backup just he just not even close to Pitts. No. So um if Pitts plays, Florida covers. If Pitt doesn't, I could see Arkansas covering. I think no so. way Arkansas wins. But, no. But but, but go Arkansas. Yeah, but go on. <laughs> do something. Just to solidify, make it happen, it'll be fine. That, it, would, it would be sweet justice for all the whining Florida fans for them to go out and tank against Arkansas like, this weekend. You know, so whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, coming off the high of being your, of your rival, you know? Because yeah. Florida-Georgia is a legit, legit rival. You don't know anything about it. Like, they do not like each other. Nope. And so coming off the high, maybe not quite as locked in because it's just Arkansas. You Man, you never know. You yep. want to see Sam Pittman solidify Coach of the Year, go beat Florida. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think uh, this next game, uh, South Carolina at Ole Miss, I think, well, obviously relevant from the stance that 
it is our next opponent and our previous opponent going at the same time. Uh, yeah, that we'll be playing. That's kind of it, though, just because styles of play don't really match up. They don't. So, I mean, I don't think we'll take. Well, I tell you what will be interesting is if uh, if South Carolina gets slow Ole Miss down at all on offense because if they can't, they can keep Ole Miss around 30, 35 points. I like our chances. Then all of a sudden, I'm not even worried about Ole Miss anymore. Like, no. not even concerned in the slightest. Like, my, my concern meter for the Tennessee game is about a quarter of an inch on a scale of, like, 60 feet. Right. All right? Um, so. I about to say, I'm, I'm definitely feeling that. I think it's going to be uh, Ole Miss. I think they're going to win. And, honestly, looking at the spread, it's 11 points. I honestly think they will cover just because I don't think South Carolina is that good. South Carolina's bad, and they just got a massive beat down. He's, if he hasn't already, he's definitely on the verge of losing that team. And that's not a thing you're seeing with LSU. And here was one, here's one thing I don't know if I ever really talked about before uh, the season. I'm sure we mentioned it. You're going to have some teams that all of a sudden have nothing to play for, so why would they care about the protocols? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, if you're looking like a three- or four-win season, you know, if, you're LSU, if you're an LSU player, why do you even care? Right. You know, go party, go do whatever it is you want to do, infect the team, and next thing you know, LSU only plays six games this year. Right. Which, I mean, that would just be wild to see how that goes down. Um, I think looking at um, our game, which, you know, we talked about really not a whole lot of concern. The line is interesting to me early because it's only eight in favor of Texas A&M. I think we absolutely cover that. We opened at like 14. It's been bet way down. I don't know what the heck happened. It's been bet way down. I mean, unless it's just the, the COVID announcement, but even yeah, then. That, that might be... Uh... Because I thought we opened at like twelve or fourteen. It, so. it was it was yeah it was thirteen points. When so I saw that's why well, I'd, I'd take all kinds of money at eight points right now. Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? I mean, um, just statistically, they're not on the same level. Tennessee isn't good. They're really not close to good. Tennessee's gonna have a freshman quarterback. Butch Jones is a bad game day quarter. They're bad game day coach. I could see us beating Tennessee by more than we just beat South Carolina. Right. I mean, every every stat you look at, there's just really bad. no comparison. It's yeah. real bad. Um, so, I mean, I think they're allowing a lot of passing yards. They're allowing a lot of rushing yards. We're going to feast offensively. Well, you don't get to be a bad team without allowing a lot of yards. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I think, yeah, we're going to we're gonna feast pretty pretty healthy, I think. It's just, and like I said, they're on a four-game losing streak right now after beating Missouri. You know, it's going to be five. And so, you know, they're just, yeah, Tennessee's bad, and they should feel bad. It's not going to be a good game. Uh, I think. That is a fan base that. Yeah. Does not mess around either. No. I have not seen much from Tennessee Twitter. They've been lately. pretty quiet. Early. Maybe it's because they suck. Well, I mean, because, you know, you think about the last time we got them. We got them when we were both undefeated coming into yeah. Kyle Field. So I think they had a little bit more hair on their balls at that point. Well, when was the last time we beat Tennessee? Oh, that was 2016. 2.30 on CBS, right? Yeah. Okay, just checking. It was 2.30 CBS. It was an absolute great football game. I loved it. Yeah, a couple extra gray hairs after that one. But you know what? We will certainly take it. I mean, I thought it was a great, great game. And I, I, this one will not live up to that hype. And that's how you can tell. It's like we're not even hearing anything from Ball Twitter. And they are being very quiet. They know they suck. Yeah. And see, it's when you have that self-acceptance of what you are, that's when the healing process will at least well, the, start being better. The real question is, considering how long Tennessee's been in the tank, who do they go after as head coach? Because, I mean, how long are you going to hold on to Butch Jones? He's clearly shown that he's not the answer. He, yeah. But who's out there? Because right now you've got a lot of coaches getting kind of passes on a little bit on maybe subpar performances this year because of COVID. Right. I think you have to. Plus budgets state that you can't you, know, you can't afford a lot of buyout and you can't afford a lot of massive new hire salaries. So right. Tennessee might be stuck for another year. And it's, it's like Texas. With every year that you're stuck in that, 
it comes back two or threefold on the back end. Well, it's going to hurt because at the same time, you know, you've had the players that have just been in the mindset of this program. And despite the fact that people say they would love a culture change, culture change take time. You know, it's not something that happens overnight, as we have clearly seen with Jimbo Fisher. And honestly, what we saw with Kevin Sumlin. You see a lot of these culture changes, for good or bad, and it's normally it takes at least three, maybe four years for it's really setting in. Well, and more so, it's just that you've got lame duck coaches recruiting. Right. So it's it's not just a, a culture change problem. It's a it's a talent issue because all of us like the new coach is going to come in on the tail of what potentially could be a couple of years in a row of really average to below average recruiting. Right. And then the new coach, through no fault of his own, doesn't have the talent. Right. And as I said, it's unfortunate uh, for them. But yeah, for them. <laughs> for them. You know, uh, you know Tennessee, just, just rough, rough-looking program. And it's just a wonder why, how they got to this level after being so prestigious for so long. I really don't understand it. You go from national title winning 98, really just a really good team in the 90s, and a lot of really strong teams before that. And you've just more or less pissed away the entirety of the 2000s, both. 20, you know, 2000s and 2010s. Well, and, and there's no signs of life for them. That's no. That's their problem. Um, I mean, it's not like Tennessee has recruited terribly, I right. guess, technically. But, again, it, whenever you pull the trigger and make that change, you're not going to have the talent on the roster. And Tennessee fans are impatient. Now, granted, most fan bases tend to be pretty impatient. But I, I tell you what, when you're talking about two decades of walking in the wilderness, they've, they've about had it. And at Tennessee, there's not much else to fall back on. No. And somebody pointed something out, which I thought was really interesting. They talk about prestige and programs. And I don't know how many titles they have. I want to say it's like six. Like, national titles. All time for Tennessee. But it's like, you look at, like, a Texas A&M program versus a Tennessee program. You have a Texas A&M program, which, yes, you had titles, but they were, like, well back before any of us were alive. And you have a Tennessee program that, yeah, has titles at least within modern memory. But it's pretty clear that these are two programs moving in opposite directions. You have Texas A&M, which has been moderately good, but trending in the right direction and making the moves to make it happen, going out making the hires to make it happen, improving facilities. You feel like Neyland Stadium has been the same size forever. It's a fan base which has been locked in the same mindset forever, which is we just need to get back to what we were in 98, man. And it's just not there. Well, they've whiffed off. They've they've whiffed on some hires. Yeah. You know, plural, and not that we haven't. But um, hey, Tennessee is is a really good example of what happens when all you do is run around and quote your records from the '80s and '90s. Right. Um, like nobody cares. No. I you honestly, if you'd won half the national championships from ninety from ninety to ninety nine, nobody right now would care because you suck. So you can continue to, to, you know, beat your chest about being a blue blood if you want. And, and look, I, I, everybody loves the checkerboard end zones. But, right. like, the reality is you're not good anymore. You haven't been good for a while. And so you, at some point you have to accept reality. But, it, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's, it's what people, you know, just accept your place. But like you said, the difference is A&M has been making the moves to – to take that next step and be in that next level, in that next tier. Whereas Tennessee, they're just, it's like they're stuck in time. Yeah, you just feel like, exactly, you just feel like they're stuck in the 90s. When's the last good coach they had? Fulmer? Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, 
What was the last really elite quarterback they had? Manning? Uh, yeah, Manning. Gosh. I mean, well, you, you had the kid that played against us, but even then Tennessee just kind of fell apart after they lost our game. They fell right off the face yeah. of the world. So, I don't know. Tennessee's, t- Tennessee's caught in quicksand right now, and, and they won't stop thrashing around. Right. It's like you look at the SEC East, and, you know, it literally t- where Tennessee would have been in the conversation every year, it's boiled down to Florida and Georgia every single season. And, you know, you're just not there anymore. Yeah, well, and look at, like, even even uh, Georgia with Mark Richt, uh, who, you know, consistently won a lot of games, but never got him over the hump. And even Georgia finally decided to cut ties. Um, you know, F- F- Florida grabbing Mullen, it's just, um, what, they had McIlwain before him? Wasn't that right? Wasn't that the coach for him? Yeah, McIlwain. So, yeah. you know, Mullen was a great move, um, getting him from Mississippi State. Uh, you know, and so Florida and Georgia have both, um, made significant moves, if not a, maybe a, I don't know anything about their facilities. I'm sure they've improved them at least a sure. little. But, you know, those are the three teams in the SEC East, and Tennessee doesn't seem to really be doing anything other than hiring bad coaches and bitching. Well, I mean, I would say, if anything, you should look at the mid-majors. You know, you look at some programs like Coastal Carolina or some of these guys that are doing it right, where you see them, They're granted, you know, the competition they're playing isn't exactly above par, but they're doing a lot with nothing. And if you can do that as a coach at an SEC school that has the quote-unquote prestige like Tennessee has, it can make a difference to bring in somebody like that. Are you saying Hugh Freeze to Tennessee? Is that what you're saying? Man, <laughs> can you imagine the salt to coming out of Ole Miss if that were to happen? Yeah, I'll, I, I gotta be honest. I mean, if they made the move, it wouldn't be a bad move. It wouldn't be the worst move, honestly. Now, now that we talk about coaches, I think Hugh Freeze would be. But has he paid his penance yet? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like he's. Oh, congratulations, right. Jed. One good season with Liberty. Uh, here you go. You, but you also know he's a good coach, though. That's the thing. I mean, right. you know he's a good coach. He's at Liberty because he's an idiot, not because he's a bad coach. No, exactly. You know, you make stupid mistakes and you get sit down a level and you got to fix your problems. Yeah. But I mean, safe to say, as we go forward with this. Uh, with this next week, you know, obviously, I'm hoping uh, we play. I'm about to say this whole podcast can be null and void because we honestly don't know if we do play, and if that's the case, then we will probably have another conversation about uh, Ole Miss next week where we don't really have a game to analyze because we didn't play it. Yeah, maybe we'll just talk about something random. You know, like uh, how miserable I am thinking about having to go to drill weekend after next. Oh God. Yeah. yeah well, speaking of that though, I guess we probably should kind of start wrapping up, but um, this week. Is Veterans Day, so I want yep. to say thank you to everyone serving, everyone who has served, all the branches of the military. Thank Absolutely. you so much for the sacrifice you make and, and the sacrifices you're making if you're still currently serving. So thank you for your service. Absolutely. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, if you're walking around town or something on Veterans Day, you know, and you see somebody in their duds or see somebody with a hat or shirt, you know, just make sure you thank them. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I can't speak to it because I was never in service, but I appreciate everybody that would, you know, made the sacrifice so I didn't have to. And I appreciate everything that they did. And, you know, those that are currently serving even, it doesn't matter who you are. You know, if you've served in the, mil- in the military at this point, I really appreciate all the sacrifices you've made. Uh, and just... And it means something, yeah, especially it, Texas A&M with our military lineage of course. too. So it's, it's... It's a big deal. And we appreciate everything that y'all have done. Yeah. Um, so um, one, thank you for your service. Absolutely. And uh, just a personal note this week. Uh, so with my buddy Jordan X, uh, his new single, which actually turns out it was an EP. We released three songs. It's out on Spotify right now. Uh, I will link that 
on the podcast if you want to go check it out. Um, called Good Life. It's got some good music on it. I like it. Um, and then we actually have two shows this week in College Station. We're playing uh, the 13th and the 14th, both at the tap. Um, tickets are going to go quick uh, because of COVID and restrictions. They're having to, yeah. Yeah, they're, spl- they're, they're spreading them out, but they're anticipating a quote-unquote sellout for COVID for both shows. So, um, yeah, whatever night works for y'all, feel free to come out. And, of course, if you're looking for me, I'll be the idiot in the first band playing bass. <laughs> so come up here and say hi. Buy me a shot, please. <laughs> we'll make life good. <laughs> but, hey, we, we really do appreciate you guys. Definitely come check us out. It'll be a, fu- a ton of fun. Um, of course, hopefully we get a chance to watch some football this week. Hey, like, you have something to look forward to, period. I'm sitting here thinking, man, if football gets postponed – and it's the international break for Premier League. Like, yeah, I'm gonna have to do work around the house. I'm about to say, certainly don't want to watch your Cowboys <laughs> lose to the Steelers again. <laughs> I wrote the Cowboys off three weeks ago. That's fair. Uh, that was a good game. Real, realistically, I should have written the Cowboys off about five years ago. As soon as we all figured out Jerry Jones wasn't going to leave until he died. Right. So I'm gonna say good, good, good games. Good weekend, sports wise. Uh, good weekend for a lot of reasons. So. Uh, as you guys go forward, hey, just make sure you guys are taking care of yourselves. Um, all the vaccine talk, whatever. Just wear your masks. Be on top of your stuff. Take care of each other. If you're sick, stay home. Like always. Like just, always. Just be a good person. Yeah, be a good person. Be excellent to one another. Yes. Party on, dudes. <laughs> Take care. Right, man. Okay. Take care.